Somebody's praying. I can feel it. Somebody's praying for me. Mighty hands are guiding me to protect me from what I can't see. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Somebody's praying for me. You want to say me too? I can feel it. Angels are watching over me. There's many miles ahead till I get home. Still I'm safely kept before your throne. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Angels are watching over me. Well, I've walked through the barren wilderness, and my pillow was a stone. And I've been through the darkest caverns, where no light had ever shone. Still I went on, cause there was someone who was down on their knees. Lord, I thank you for those people praying all this time for me. You want to say, Lord, I thank you for those people? Jesus, he's praying. Can you feel it? Jesus, he's praying for you. Mighty hands are guiding us to protect us from what we can't see. Lord, we believe. Sing it with me or say it. Lord, we believe. Jesus is praying for me. Jesus, he's praying for me. One more time, welcome to the throne of God. When two or three gather together in His name, we are always, I say we because those of us that gather in His name that are here, we are always at the throne of God. Every time. Something special would be wonderful it happened every time, but it doesn't need to happen every time. We just need to use a mustard seed of faith. 
in what God is getting ready to do. And when two or three gather anywhere, God is always ready to do something in that moment. Now then, whether you see it today or tonight or tomorrow or next week or next month or sometime further down the road, there's many miles ahead that we must go. And because we come together in faith, something wonderful is getting ready to happen. That said, tonight in the evening service, we're going to be having a message that is going to talk about Dedan, D-E-D-A-N, Dedan and Sheba. Dedan and Sheba. And it's going to talk from two different places. It's going to talk from Genesis 25. You can find Dedan and Sheba in Genesis 25. And you can find Dedan and Sheba in Ezekiel 38. And if any of you know very much about prophecy, Ezekiel 38 is whenever there are five nations that are going to come down upon the mountains of Israel. If you're watching the Mideast, you should be looking for nations that are going to come down upon the mountains of Israel. That has not happened yet. Because when it does, God is going to stand up and fight for His people. There will be amazing things that will happen. I don't know if you all are aware of how many hurricanes have happened this year. Or tropical storms. And how many names they've been using for it. And how they have gone away from being able to use names. Because they've gone through all of the alphabet on using names. And now then they're just using Greek letters. And they've named one Alpha. And one Beta. And they're looking at being able to see many more. Amazing things are happening. And when we see them we ought to be saying. Aha. God is getting ready. Just like when we come together. Two or three of us. We should be saying. Aha. God is getting ready to do something amazing. And so if you're looking into the future and into prophecy and you're going, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do, you need to adopt a different attitude. Your attitude when you look into prophecy, and it won't all be about prophecy tonight because the most important about thing about Dedan and Sheba is not what is, happens in Ezekiel 38. It's what happened all the way back in Genesis 25, where you first read about Dedan and Sheba. So that'll be this evening. This morning, the message is going to be about how to answer God when He calls you. How to answer God when He calls you. I have people that are better than I am at making titles to messages because they tell me you use way too many words. And so I'll let somebody else figure a better title out for this, but it's about how to answer God when He calls you. Now we know that, that uh, God called Noah, and Noah did His command. Noah had no idea. He just knew that he had to do what God told him to do. And I want to tell you something I have learned in this last week about Noah, because we have a lot of people in America who are wanting to destroy remembrances of generations past. And we want to remember something about Noah. And so the very uh, before we do that, we want to, because now's my time, every, the beginning of every sermon, I'm going to be telling you if you are 18 and you're not yet registered to vote, you have until October, the, about the third week in October. Second week? 
Okay, that's about the third, third week or whatever. So you have until about the third week to be able to get yourself, or the fourth week, I'm not sure, but, it's, but you, you, you need to get registered to vote. Why? Because if you're a believer, you are required to walk by faith. And this year, you won't hear me. If you get me off to one side, I'll talk politics with you, blah, 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 blah. But if, if from this pulpit, I will not be telling you who or why you should vote. Obviously, if you don't see that a person lines up with what the Bible, what the Bible says, you should say, I can't have anything to do with that person. If, they're not li- if they will not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, or that if they will not confess that uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has brought Israel into existence, that, that God wants to do something amazing, then you need to be very careful about voting for them. That's basically what I will say from the pulpit. But you do want to go and make your mark. And while you're marking on that piece of paper, you want to be saying, God... What I'm doing is having faith in what you're going to do. I'm doing it because I know that you're God. And you know how to make all things work together for good. And if you spend a little too long, you don't want to spend so much time marking it down that you mark a hole through your paper. But you just want to spend a little time standing there with God and saying, I am voting by faith. And if you say, I don't know enough about, much, enough about it to go vote by faith, you've got a lot of time. And you can ask a lot of brothers and sisters who will be glad to fill you in on the different things that you need to be aware of. Vote by faith. That's the only hope that America has right now. That the church will vote by faith. Now you say, well, what if if Lisa votes one way and I vote for another way? Don't we cancel out one another's votes? Well, in a sense, from looking at it just purely from a vote point of view, yes. But if we're voting in faith, we cancel everything else out and so we must vote in faith that god will do that what kind of faith is it going to be it's going to be the faith that we find in proverbs 29 2 when the righteous are in authority when the righteous are in authority and we want to think about that word there where it talks about the righteous and we want to know what that means and the word righteous there means those who have been justified and vindicated before the throne of God. And there is no one righteous except for, and we're going to talk about Noah, and we're going to talk about uh, Abraham today. And we're going to find out how they became righteous. Because if you don't know how to become righteous, you're going to say, well, I've been to several churches and they told me that if I'll stop stop." smoking and dipping that I can be a righteous girl any of you girls smoke and dip now be careful because my grandma used to dip all the time and so but I but if they if they are telling you that that's what gets you to be righteous that they're not telling you the truth and if they say well if you'll stop cussing well that's not what gets you to be righteous either if you say well it's when they can see Jesus in me well, good, look, good luck on that one, because every once in a while, it's kind of like the lightning at night. The, the whole world lights up, bam, and then it's gone. And they might every once in a while get a flash of Jesus in you. But you need to know what, what it takes to be righteous. You have, been, you have been justified before the throne of God, and you have been vindicated before the throne of God. And it says, when the righteous are in power, the people rejoice. 
And if we have been justified and vindicated, brothers and sisters, don't you think it's time whenever rejoicing to come about about to do something more than what most Baptists do? We should be getting with it and rejoicing. In fact, when we get up in the morning, I don't know if you're like me, I have a hard time being able to get my wits about me. And so whenever I'm getting up in the morning, even after I've had a nice long hot shower, I'm still not quite in the mood to be singing yet. But I'm headed towards rejoicing. I don't want to live long in a day without rejoicing before the throne of God. But if we have been justified and vindicated, we should be rejoicing all the time and rejoicing more and more. And when the wicked bear rule, the people are afflicted and mourn. There's too much of people being afflicted in America today. And if we want to overcome that, brothers and sisters, we're going to have to be people who have faith and who are rejoicing in spite of everything. I'll guarantee you, rejoicing will be good for you. It will help change your very essence. Now then, we're going to get into the message today because we're going to, we're going to be talking about how to respond to God. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at Genesis chapter 15 because I want you to find out what righteousness is. Righteousness is being justified and vindicated. And in chapter 15, we start with verse 1. I'm not going to read every verse. Chapter 15 of Genesis, and it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. The word of the Lord is not going to come to you in a vision. You're going to hear a oaky with a hick voice stand in front of you and speak the word. And if you're able to read, and not everybody is, if you're able to read, you're going to actually hear the word through your eyes. And the word of the Lord came into Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham. God makes two promises. He said, I am your... Everybody hold your arm up like this and imagine there's a big shield on your arm right here. I am your Captain America shield. Some of you all don't have any idea who Captain America is. But I am your Captain America shield and I am your exceeding great reward. God says, you don't even know what I'm getting ready to do. I've got plans to do things for you you haven't even possibly begun to realize. And there's too many of us that have get, are at the point of it not knowing and being willing to give up or being, are saying, I just don't understand why God would allow my life to be like this. I've been a good little boy. No, you haven't. I've been a good little girl. I've tried to, to give up dipping and, and smoking and I've tried to give up cussing. And I've, you know, there, I'm, you, there's all these things. The, the heart is desperately wicked. And sometimes we think, well, no, mine's not hot. Mine, mine's not desperately wicked. Yes, it is. And you've got to know how to properly respond to God. And so it says here that God began to make promises to him. And Abraham said, how are you going to keep all of these promises? Because you promised me I would have a child. You can read that for yourself. But it's here in these verses. And then the Lord promised him that, you will have a child. I promised you, I will make it come to pass. And in verse 6 of Genesis 15, it says, Abraham believed the Lord. This is why the word is so important. If you don't know what the word says, how can you know what you should believe God for? And sometimes we get to thinking, well, I don't know the word that well. Maybe I'm going to make a fool out of myself. I don't know. 
Would you rather that you'd make a fool out of yourself because you believe too much about God or because you couldn't believe very much at all? And he believed in the Lord and he, the Lord, counted it to Abraham for righteousness. The moment he believed God, in spite of what he saw, he became justified and he became uh, uh, justified. And what was that other word? Pardon? Vindicated. Thank you all. I've lost my notes somewhere. I try to carry everything around with me. But sometimes whenever I'm getting up here and getting ready to sing a song and doing some other things, not everything comes together that easy. So he became justified and vindicated. Have you believed the Lord? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you believed the Lord? Have you trusted in Jesus? Have you believed that there is a Lamb of God who would come to take your sins as far away from you as the east is from the west and He would drop it into the sea of forgetfulness and God would remember them no more? Have you believed the Lord? Then I'll guarantee you that you are justified and vindicated in the eyes of God. There's so much more to believe Him for. But here, this is all He had to believe, that God was going to keep His promises. Read chapter 15. God reiterated some of His promises. Not all of them. His promises even held the hope of future promises. Now then we want to go over to Genesis chapter 7. And in Genesis chapter 7, back in the previous chapter, chapter 6, God has told Noah that he is supposed to build an ark because he has to bring an end to sin, the sin that has infected everyone. And I feel so sorry for most of us today because every one of us are infected with sin in some way. I mean, here's the deal. I would hate for you to get the COVID. But if there was any way to keep you from being infected with sin, I would do whatever is necessary to keep that from happening. But I can't. Because every one of us has something in every one of our houses that brings in lying voices that infect us with the sins of hell itself. You all are, some of y'all are smiling because you know what that is in your house. It's the boob tube where you hear things that you should not hear. And I'm not saying it's because you can't handle it. Maybe you can handle it to a certain degree, but those voices are messing with your heart, messing with your mind, messing with the way that you think all the time. And that's what had happened during the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, that had happened. They had become so messed up with their thinking that they could not be allowed to continue to do that. So then after that, in the first verse of chapter 7 of Noah, it said, And the Lord said to Noah, Come thou and all your house, that was his three sons, his wife, his three sons, and their wives, eight people, into the ark, for I have seen righteous, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Now then you can say, well, how did he get the righteousness of God? He got it the same way Abraham did. He believed God. You know, some people get to think of the fact here that Noah, he must have been the most wonderful person there ever was because only wonderful people get saved. I'm going to tell you what, God is not willing that any should perish. Not willing that any should perish. He wants every person to get saved, whether they're wonderful or not. And so 
we see here that he was seen as being righteous before God in this generation. There are people that are wanting to tear down the memories that we have in America of men and women who, although they were not perfect, they trusted in God. We should never allow them to tear down anything about a person, though they were not perfect, they trusted in God. And they can say, well, what is happening is that they are judging people by the way we we decide what righteousness is in this generation. Well, if we had known Noah in his generation, we might have thought, he's one of the worst people I've ever seen in my life. Think, chew on that for a little bit. But God had seen him righteous in that generation. And according to the way things were in that generation, he believed God and God counted it to him for justification and vindication. And he was seen as being righteous. We should never judge a previous generation according to the way we're thinking things should be today. Ever. Someone who lived in that generation should never be judged according to that way of thinking. We should allow God to judge them. And then we need to be willing to stand before God and be willing to respond to Him so that He can deal with all of our imperfections, all of our sinful tendencies, and He can do a wonderful transformational work in us. Because what is happening to us will affect everybody in America. Facebook family, Facebook friends, this message is as much for you being gone there as it is for everybody that's here. And thank God we, we are beginning to begin to move towards that time of people feeling comfortable to start coming back. You can say, really, there's so few here. Well, you should have seen us in a few weeks past. We've been, we have been moved by fear. God has not given to us a spirit of fear. I'm not putting anything on you all because some of you all are using great wisdom. But we need to say, I believe that in the not too distant future, we're going to look back on these times and say, why was, did they take me and put me in a little box using fear? Okay. So we have come to the point where we see that God saw Noah as being righteous. Does God see you from one side to the other as being righteous? If you were to stand in His presence today, would you know that you have been justified and with great confidence? You might have your eyes downcast because you're saying, oh, please, God, please, God, please be merciful to me. With great confidence that you could possibly begin to come to walk before Him, knowing that He has justified you and you've been vindicated in His sight because you have trusted in the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. And if you're in that position, then you need to say, if... God has justified me and vindicated me and I can come before Him, then I want to be like Abraham and believe in the promises I know and then expect to find better promises than those to hold on to. And so we're going to go to chapter 22 of Genesis for the message, How to Respond to God. How to Respond to God. And if you cannot respond in faith, you're going to be in a very difficult position. And you will be required. You can say, I'm just a quiet person. I can't really, I'm a little mouth frog. 
Brother Phil, you're a big mouth frog. And I'm a little mouth frog. I just can't very much respond before God. You'll be required. Your mouth will open. And we will find out whether or not you trusted in God. So anyway, we want to pick up on this and look through the several verses of Genesis chapter 22. You all will know this story once we get into it. You probably already do. And it says in Genesis chapter 22, starting with verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. God does not tempt anyone like we think of the tempter. The tempter is coming along and he's going to tempt you. You all don't realize what chocolate does to me? But if there ever was a chocoholic that's been in the pulpit before, I can resist it until you shove it into my mouth. And then I have been put beyond my point and I will grab as much of it as I can and stuff it into my face until I cannot get any more. And I will get up and walk around the whole building looking for more chocolate. God didn't tempt him. Not in that way. God came to try him so that he could prove to Abraham who Abraham was becoming and who God was. Because if you don't know that you're becoming something, you may not be going in that direction. And Abraham at this time knew that he was becoming something because for 38 years he had followed after God. 38, well almost 38. And we're going to see that here. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt or prove Abraham. And he said unto him, Abraham. And Abraham said, Behold, here I am. So, you want to know how to respond to God? Well, you've got to be able to hear God. And your eyes have been hearing God because the Word has been up here. And your ears, in spite of my oaky, hick voice, have been hearing God. God, and you will be required in some way to be able to respond to him. So we're going to practice. And we're just going to say three words. Here I am. Pretty easy, right? And for 38 years he had been hearing God. Not every day all the time, but enough of the time to know whenever God began to speak to him, he was ready to hear more. And maybe you're a young Christian and you've never really heard God too very much. And you don't know whether you're ready to hear more. I remember days like that. Whenever I really wasn't ready to hear more because, first of all, I was saying in my, there was a voice that was saying this year, if God was really God, then he wouldn't allow that thing to be happening to your family and in your city and in other places and all those things. I remember those thoughts. But Abraham had gotten past that. And so he responded in faith. Behold, here I am. So I'm going to have you say it with me. You ready? Three words. Ready? Here we go. Here I am. That's pretty good. But you know, to be able to make sure that you remember something, you ought to do it more than once. So let's do it again. Here I am. One more time, because you're not responding to Phil Thompson. You really need to be throwing beyond to the throne of God. And we're going to say it a third time. Here I am. And so we want to do that. And of course, whenever we do that, you all know that I love to be able to bring something into this service that, uh, where I can sing something because if, if you all don't know, I love doing it. And, it, and this song that we're going to sing is, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice 
to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. If you want to make what comes out of your mouth going into God's ear, you just really should say three words. Here I am. Let's let's sing the song one more time. And as we're singing it, purpose that what you're doing is you're letting God know, here I am. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. And if you respond to God by saying, here I am, I'll guarantee you it's a sweet sound in his ear. So we want to see that. And he said unto him, now take Take now your son, your only son. Later on, Abraham's going to be holding a knife in his hand. And now God is holding the word coming out of his mouth. And it's going to be sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's going to be piercing to the asunder of the, the, the heart and the thoughts and the, the very essence of his being. And he's going to take and begin to, to cut sharply at Abraham because Abraham has said, here I am. And God then says to him, Now take your son. This was the son of promise. God had promised him a son. We have to be real careful with God. This will be about, there'll be about three points in this, this sermon that'll have real important things. And this is going to say, God has, God, God has promised him this son. He's going to ask him to kill his own son. Now then, which is more important? The promise are the promise keeper. Because sometimes when we get to look at the way things are going in our lives and we say, I don't understand why my life is working the way it is, we get to hanging on to the promise and saying, but you have promise. Whenever I should be hanging on to the promise keeper. And we're going to see here that when Abraham said to him, here I am, he began to hang on to God. And right now today, you all have said that, that, that same thing several times. And whether you know it or not, you have begun to hang on to God. Don't stop doing this good work of hanging on to God. And he said, now take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and get you to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will show you, I will tell you. He's been cut to the very depths of his heart. Sometimes, though, whenever God is reaching deep into our hearts, and for some reason we know that something's not right, and I am hurting so deeply in me and I do not understand why God is allowing me to hurt so deeply we need to remember this word these words scripture where it says deep uh, calls unto deep 
and I have to be put into the position where my heart has been ripped and laid bare so that he can come into that part of my life. This is the very first time since the beginning of the book of Genesis that the word love has ever been talked about. Did you all ever realize that? Because here it says, whom thou lovest. It's the love between a father and a son. It's not the love between a man and a woman. It's the love between a father and a son. Jewish fathers long for a son. They're not unhappy if they have daughters. But they long for a child so that they can pour out the blessings that God has given to them into the heart and the life of that child. They long for something like that. And it says here, whom thou lovest. And Abraham, now his heart is is wide open, but he said, here I am. He gets up early in the morning and he saddles his ass. He takes his donkey and he saddles his ass. Now then he's about probably 113 years of age. He has other people that can do this. But it's very important that you know that he goes out and saddles the donkey that he's going to ride on to go and do what he told God. Here I am. That's not all he does. And he took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he clave or he split the wood for the burnt offering. He didn't ask the young men to go and split the the wood for the burnt offering. He saddled his own donkey. He split the wood for the burnt burnt offering uh, to be offered up with. What is he doing? He knows that all it takes from him is a mustard seed of faith to do what God asks so that God can do more than he could ever possibly hope in believing that God would do. So he, this is faith in action. This is either the second or the third thing in here that the points that are coming out. Is your faith walking out on what is happening in your life? Because he could have just got up in the morning and said, I am upset. I don't feel good. This is beyond where I feel like I should have to go. I don't know why this is happening. And then eventually he might have gotten around to it. But he got up in the morning and he began to walk out his faith. How was he able to do this? Well, because 38 years before this, when our 30 Yeah, 38 years before this, when God had called him the first time, God said, get out of the place where you are. In the place where you are, you and your family have been making little idols. And you've been teaching people how they can worship those little idols. You've been teaching them despicable things to do to make that little idol, what that that little idol represents. Although there's nothing there. It may be an idol. It may have eyes, but those eyes can't see. And it may have hands, but those hands can't move. And it may have feet, but those feet can't walk. And it may have a mouth, but that mouth can't talk. And it may have ears, but those ears can't hear. There's no little God like that. But he and his family had taught people how to worship 
and do despicable things for those idols. And now then he's being asked by God to do something despicable. And he remembers how he taught people to be able to worship a, an idol of a, of a god called Moloch, which required that the firstborn son or daughter should be offered as a sacrifice. And he's saying, is God punishing me? Is he punishing me for something I've done in my past? Well, I want to tell you something. God's not in the punishing business. He's making it possible for Abraham to know more about who Abraham is and to know more about who God is so that when Abraham begins to speak to people about the things that have happened, he's going to make other people aware of who his God is and say, look on me. I'm an old man, but God's not finished with me yet. So we see that this, this has happened. And on the third day, uh, he, he lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide ye here with me, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac's his son's back. Well, this means that Isaac was his, his son. It, was, it had been before he had become a man. A Jewish boy usually became a man around the time he was 13. So this was sometime in his 12th year. And his, his mother had to be pregnant with him for about at least nine months. So this is about 13 years after, uh, after, uh, Abraham, uh, the boy had been, had, had, uh, God had made promises to Abraham that Sarah would have the baby. And he laid the wood upon his, his, upon Isaac's back. This is a picture kind of like God allowing them to put the cross and tying Jesus' arms to it to carry it up the hill. Going up the hill. Carrying the burden of our sins. Carrying the hope of our future. Because the, the cross was not only for him the thing that took away our sins, it's what brought all of our future into play and as Abraham's going up he's having to look at his own son carry that which would be used to kill him and it's all because he said here I am but something amazing is getting ready to happen and he took the fire in his hand. He had a container that would contain the coals and he would put in more wood occasionally to be able to keep the coals going in there. And he took the fire in his hand and he took a knife. Remember the word is sharper than a two-edged sword. He's already been laid bare. He's getting ready to take his son up. He's getting ready to lay his son bare. Not to hack on him, but to lay him bare with a knife. And the both of them went together. And Isaac spake to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and Abraham was hearing God speak. And he said, Here I am. Everybody say that with me. Here I am. But what kind of hope does he have at this time? Well, we don't know. We don't know what's in the mind of Abraham, except he knew that God was a keeper of promises and if God had said he would do a thing he believed that God would no matter what it took he believed in his heart he had to believe in his heart that if it took the death of his son that God could raise him from the dead 
And so we're seeing that here, no matter how his heart was inside of him, and I don't know where your heart is today, and I'm sorry if it's in a really bad place, but I do want you to know that you do need to say, here I am, often, so that God can do his amazing work. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, father, the fire in your hand, the wood on my back, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? We're getting ready to learn something in a few seconds about the Feast of Trumpets, which today is the actual celebration of the Feast of Trumpets. And Abraham said, my son, my son, oh, the son that I love. The son that I'm going to pour all of my blessings into. In fact, all of the blessings that God has given to me, one day you will walk in all of those blessings and you will know this God better than you know Him now. Better than I know Him now. And he said, my son, God will provide. And those of you that know the song, we sing a song, Jehovah Jireh. My provider, His grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. Because we sing that song because we know that God will provide. Even for a man whose heart has been rent into pieces by the things that God spoke to him so that God can reveal to Abraham who he's in the process of becoming and who his God is. If God wants to reveal that to me, I don't care what steps He puts me in, I want to be always able to say, Here I am. And Abraham said God will provide for Himself a lamb for the burnt offering. There's really a double entendre in that. God will provide Himself as the lamb for the burnt offering. And of course we know that happens later on. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place where God had told him of it. And um, whenever they got to that place, uh, there Abraham built an altar. Now then, I'm sure that Isaac is helping him in doing the things because Isaac has seen everywhere that uh, God has told Abraham to do something. He's told him, walk up and down continually in the land that I'm going to give to you and to those who are going to come after you. And everywhere he went, he said, one day, this is going to be a promise that's going to be given to Isaac. And whenever he'd get to a place, he was always stopping and building an offering, an altar and offering a lamb. And people would come around and they'd say, oh, are you, build, are you offering a sacrifice to your God? And, and he would say, yes. And they said, well, this is what mine looks like. And he would, say, he would look at him and he'd say, yeah, I might have made one like that. But that's not what my God looks like. And they say, well, what does your God look like? And he said, I've never seen him. They said, well, what do you mean? You've never seen him. How do you worship him? And he said, my God is the keeper of, what's that next word going to be? Promises. I don't have to bribe him to get him to keep promises. I just have to believe in him. And what I'm doing is so that you can see I believe and so that he can see that I believe. And I believe that Isaac had helped him build altars before. And so they built that altar there and they laid the wood in order and he bound Isaac his son. This is to keep a sacrifice from struggling whenever you're going to use the knife upon the sacrifice. 
They bound him. Isaac was, this is an amazing picture of what Jesus was going to be like. Not resisting his father's will. And there's a, there's a scripture that says this, that although he did not like the cross, that he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And so we see here that Isaac is allowing his own father to bind him up. Surely Isaac must have learned a lot about the God that his father believed in. And he laid him on the altar upon the wood and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son and the angel of the Lord called to him out of heaven. Abraham! Abraham! And he said, everybody say it with me, Here I am. Am. So we see three times here that Abraham has spoken the words of here I am. Remember, God is trying him so that Abraham will know who he is and so that he will know more about who his God is. And the angel of the Lord, I believe Jesus was speaking to him now, said, Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that you fear God. But more than that, you know that I know that you fear God. You know who you are. You fear God. You know that you have been in the process of becoming something for 38 years. But I'm not finished with you yet. And I believe that the heart of Abraham, which had been rent into pieces by the things that God spoke to him, began to dance. And I asked you just a minute ago if you would dance over there. And I see you're patting your foot. Good Baptist. And Abraham began to dance. And it says, um, Lay not your hand upon the child, neither do you any good. For I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Now you can say, how could they not have known that that ram was there? Well, that ram might have been thinking, if I just be still long enough, Maybe they won't notice me here. But if you're thinking today, if I'll just be still enough, maybe I'll escape these wonderful words coming into my eyes and falling on my ears. And I'm going to tell you something. No, you will not escape. Because God is determined that you should know who He is and that you should know what you're becoming. And so they saw a ram caught by a thicket by its horns. Now today is the Feast of Trumpets. On the Feast of Trumpets, they blow ram's horns all over Israel. And on the, on the Feast of Trumpets, you can say, well, what, does that, what is that all about? Well, that's a hidden thing. Because they don't really understand what the Feast of Trumpets is about. The hidden thing is they can't yet see the Messiah. The Feast of Trumpets is about Jesus. It's about Him being crowned King. And Him coming back to this world to rule and reign. But right now all they think it's about is just to come together, have a great feast, offer some sacrifices, a lamb or two or more. 
and then going home. Oh, blowing the ram's horn. You say, Phil, don't do that. Well, I needed you to hear what it sounds like. Because I can't blow the ram's horn. If any of y'all would learn how, I'd let y'all blow it next year. Because that's what they're remembering. They're remembering that God provided a ram. God would provide a lamb. That that lamb would become the Lion of Judah who would bring forth peace upon this world. And they can't see that yet. They're still looking into the future. We should be rejoicing every day. And we should be hearing this ram's horn. You can say, well, don't they get to blow something else? Well, there are other horns that are acceptable, but you cannot blow one horn for sure. Do any of you know what that horn is that you can't blow? The bull's horn. And you can say, well, why can't you blow the bull's horn? Because the bull's horn would remind them and God of the time when they were coming out of Egypt and they made a golden calf and turned away from God. And we never want to remind God about the fact that we are turning away from Him. We want to remind Him about Him having the ram caught by its horns turning back to us always. Is that not a marvelous idea when you think about the Feast of Trumpets? It's a lot better than we spending a whole message just talking about the Feast of Trumpets. And so he took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the, the place Jehovah-Jireh. God provides as it is to this day. And in verse 15, it says, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abram out of heaven a second time. And today, you've heard God, the angel of the Lord call out of, God, of heaven the first time. Now I believe the angel of the Lord is calling to you out of heaven a second time. This is what in the Bible we would know as the double portion. And if you don't know about a prophet who got the double portion because he refused to give up on the double portion, you need to know that it's possible to get a double portion. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven saying a second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, says the Lord, for because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, the son that you love, that in blessing... Now he's going to start doing something here. God's going to start using a calculator. In blessing, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless you. And if people will come to be like you and have faith, they're going to find I'm going to bless them, and I'm going to bless them, and I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless them in the city. I'm going to bless them in the field. I'm going to bless everything they put their hand to. I'm going to bless them when they lay down. I'm going to bless them when they rise up. I'm going to bless them and bless them and bless them. That in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying will I multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand of which is upon the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of its enemies, and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And that's because of Jesus. And we are supposed to be taking the message of Jesus to every creature and telling them about the Lamb of God who came to take away the, uh, the sins of the, world, of the earth. And your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. His enemies will not be able to prevail. I don't know if you're aware of it or not. There are, you have some enemies. Most of them are unseen. 
you hear their voices being spoken by other people. And if you don't know the voice of God, sooner or later, you will begin to believe in those voices that are speaking lies and speaking to you that, that, that there is no hope. And you want to be able to do that. And it, it says here, But in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And how did he obey his voice? He said, everybody say it with me. Here I am. And then he put feet on his faith. He saddled up his donkey. Mm, I don't know if I want to do this or not. And he chopped up the wood. Oh, this is, this is cutting me more than it's cutting the wood. But he, at the end of it, he knew that he was a man in transformation. And he knew that it wasn't the promise of God to hang on to. It was the promise keeper. Now, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, you don't have any hope. You have nothing in this world to hold on to and nothing in the world to come to hold on to. You need Jesus. You need Him. You need Him because your sins will separate you from God. Always. And you need a Lamb that can come and take your sins away. You need Him. And if you have been born again, those voices are going to keep whispering in your ear about it's wrong and it can't ever get right and why don't you just give up and, and why don't you just eat woolly worms and die? And you don't want to be a person who gives up. You want to be a person like Abraham, though it was impossible. He refused to turn loose of the promise keeper. Let's all stand. We're going to sing They That Wait Upon the Lord. Because I know that you have, a, it's, it's in a different book, and I'm going to help you. You just have to come up here and get started. You need to put those words up on the screen. They that wait upon the Lord. And if you're not a believer, why won't you start waiting on Him today? There you go. And if you are a believer, why aren't you saying, Here I am. Oh, I'm here, Lord. I don't know what's getting ready to happen, but I know if it did that work that way for old Abraham, whenever he was at least 113 years old, it has to work out for me too. Because I know that you have plans for sinners. And you have plans for those who will trust in you.